The following programming is sponsored by Six Feet Over Under Productions. The views expressed do not necessarily reflect the views of this station, its management, or Beasley Media Group. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Heart of Sports with Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen, powered by ELEC 825. We are thrilled to join you on WWDB 860 AM and 97.5 HD2, part of the Beasley Media Group, ready to help you move into the weekend, talking about all the news in the world of sports. Jeff, it is Super Wild Card Weekend. Are you excited for what is going on? Is, is this a new NFL phrase? Apparently, because like, there's, this is, six there's games. Super Bowl and now there's Super Wild Card Weekend well, because there's what? One extra game or two extra games? It's not just a base Wild Card Weekend, it's yeah. a Super Wild Card Weekend. Okay. You don't feel super? You don't see me like jumping up and down about that one, do you? Well, you're not watching like anything. I, I think it's ridiculous that there's a Monday Night Football game. So I do still a, do. I, I mean, I know I complained about it last week, I just don't get it. If they're wor- if they're worried about player safety, then you don't have a game on a Monday night during the playoffs. I would assume don't. I would assume that that team that plays on Monday night that wins would have the Sunday game. They wouldn't give them the Saturday game. Yeah, you would think, but it still puts them at a disadvantage. Yeah, so it what's definitely the point? does. Let's give a little rundown of the show. What we have it going on. We'll connect with John Bacon in a minute or two and talk some college football. Try and keep Jeff's blood pressure down with what's going on at Michigan with Jim Harbaugh. And then we've got something special <laughs> after the break later. Authors James Patterson and Mike Lupica talk about their fantastic new book, The House of Wolves. Jeff, nice booking today. <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> you, did, you, did, you did well. So, all right, all right, you didn't. We'll get to Super Wild Card Weekend shortly. Yeah. Let's go back real fast. Could you bring yourself? It's going to be painful. You're going to keep saying it, and I'm going to roll my eyes until I get stuck in top of my head. I know. Could you bring yourself to watch the blowout that became the college football playoff championship no, uh, game? Well, I personally got to see what happens when you go up against Georgia last year because I went to the Michigan-Georgia semifinal. <laughs> you saw it in person. And, and, and it's one of the few games that I think I've ever been to that I left as early as I did. And it was New Year's Eve. I didn't have anything else to do. So I still, we all just got out of there. Yeah. There was no, TCU had no shot. As much of a Cinderella story as they were, they had no shot against Georgia. And I would be shocked if Georgia doesn't win next year. Yeah, they they look. I mean, they Stetson, Stetson Bennett's gone next year, so they're going to need another quarterback. But I assume they just reload at this point. I Actually, mean, it was really funny afterwards. Uh, David Pollock uh, was on the the set of post game next to Nick. Saban, yeah, I know, grinning from ear talk, to ear, talking about how Georgia was like the new standard, and Saban was there seething through it. <laughs> it was fantastic. He's right. He is. I mean, look, I, he goes through Georgia now. If if you look at what Georgia, the number of players who left last year, especially from their defense, and went to the NFL, and they did not skip a beat. No, not at all. They they and that used to be Alabama's thing. And now look, Alabama is actually losing people. And you know, there was all this stuff in the SEC about how they would. I forget what they would call it, but, but there was like gray. I think they called it gray shirting, where they would have all these extra guys that would come in who really weren't on scholarship, but Wink, wink, you'll get on scholarship because there'll be a certain amount of attrition. Now, because of the transfer portal, if you don't play, a lot of these guys just go. They do just and, go. And, and suppose, I think one of uh, their big young running backs in Alabama's big young running backs just left the, he was in the transfer portal and went to TCU. Yeah, there's more than 2,000 people in the transfer portal now. We'll get to that with our guest. Let's bring him on. Let's talk some college football and the coaching carousel with John Bacon, the author of the book, The Overtime, Jim Harbaugh and the Michigan Wolverines at the Crossroads of College Football. John, you may have to add another couple cha- couple chapters to the book over there. <laughs> He's working on them now. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of titled myself into a corner there. I've got three and out about Richard Rodriguez. I've got fourth and long about Penn State and college football. I was inside the program in 2012 at Penn State. I've got 
end zone about uh, the rise, fall, and return of Michigan football. Then I've got overtime that came out in 2019, as you just described it. What do I have left? You know, the third row of seats? I mean, nine, nine lives. Nine lives. Nine lives. Thank you. <laughs> the return Thank and you. departure of Jim Harbaugh as the coach yes. of Michigan. Right, right, right. John, John, you're in the know about, as much as anybody, about what's going on or what supposedly is going on with Jim Harbaugh. Is, is this that he's just going to constantly have the itch to leave? Or, or is this about money? Or is I don't, it something else? It, it, it's about how about this? Yes and yes, and, and some other stuff too. Um, I don't think it's going to be constant. I think, look, he's 59 years old, and there's a big youth movement, obviously, in the uh, NFL these days with Sean Payton and Jim Harbaugh being the two exceptions right, right. now. Um, so there's that. Um, and, you know, he said when he took the job that, to Jim Hackett, the former AD, and I got this from Jim Hackett himself, that, you know, Jim said, I've still got unfinished business. I guarantee you seven years. After that, I'm going to look, and he did. That was last year. Uh, with Minnesota Vikings, did not get the offer, as you know. Um, this year, the NFL came after him, a bit different there. Uh, he was not looking. He's got a good contract right now. I'm about to get a whole lot better one if he wants it. Um, but that's one thing. The money, too, is the buyout. And that's been a real sticking point between him and Michigan Athletic Director Ward Manuel. Manuel had it very high, and Jim's people thought that was quote-unquote insulting. So uh, there's that. By the way, aside about buyouts on both sides, I think they're ridiculous. I think they're stupid. I think that if you don't want to coach here, get the hell out of here. I mean, not just Jim, but anybody. Um, why would you want to coach who doesn't want to be there? It makes no sense to me. So anyway, and what's even dumber than that is when they pay a buyout or a severance package, whatever, for a guy failing. I never understood that one. Um, but anyway, so give me, give me $10 million to fail. I'll fail for half that. How's that sound? <laughs> I will too. <laughs> Man, thank you. Not, not that hard to fail. Hey, I was going to say, um, I'll do really well. I'll excel at that. But wait, wait. I'll, I'll fail faster. How's that sound? You can move on even more quickly. <laughs> That's right. right and then I could go home and get my island. So, yeah, there you go. Wait, exactly. So John, you but, said but the third factor though, yeah. is the NCAA stuff coming up. Um, it sounds like from everything I'm hearing, Almost all this stuff is incredibly NCAA-style stupid, which is saying something. He bought uh, hamburgers for two recruits at Brown Jug. This is not a fancy place. Um, things like that. An, an analyst was seen coaching on the sidelines during a practice a couple times. Okay. Uh, the problem there, it seems to be that uh, Harbaugh might have misled the NCAA investigators on that, and now that becomes level one. So Jim's question there is, is Michigan going to back him or not? So you got three things on the docket, salary, buyout, and NCAA infractions. And really it boils down to, you know, do you have the love or not? And that boils down to the relationship between A.D. Ward-Manuel and Jim Harbaugh. And that's why the, the new president on the job four months, Santa Ono is his name, uh, he got involved this week and finally got past the logjam. So I think, think Harbaugh is going to stay. Okay, so look, I, I have not been, I, admittedly, as, a, as somebody who was at Michigan when he was at Michigan and followed him since, I think he's done a really good job. I'm not a huge fan. But, mm -hmm. but you said something that... Yeah, you're, you're not alone. Uh, yeah, and, and, but you, it's, it's because of, of this, he always seems <laughs> like he, he, he does things that, even if it's not intended to be, they appear to be very self serving and they seem to also hurt at the same time so for example last year he decided on national signing day that's when he was going to go interview 
and and <laughs> right. this and this year National Signing Day is just a couple weeks away. I'm hoping this has worked out before, but you said something that 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 at least there's been reports of something different, which is that Harbaugh's not the one who's initiating this. Yet the Carolina Panthers owner said we didn't pursue him; he followed us. Is that and inaccurate? Uh, probably not. Um, although, man, once you're down to agents and owners, I don't want to take either side of that one. Right. Because uh, there's so much misinformation, as you know, at that point. Uh, but that's possible. Um, and if so, that changes the equation. That's for sure. Um, so that's on the docket as well. I know Jim. I've known him since third grade, actually. We played hockey with each other and was baseball against each other. Well, I'll just say that one of us was a great athlete. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> Well, considering you wrote the hockey book, I'm saying it's you. Uh, there you go. Well, it's toward the back, but maybe not. But anyway. If you don't deny it, it just becomes facts. Or that's right. Don't worry about it. You know, I, if I, I've learned nothing about Twitter, that's got to be it. I, right. I, I, we can play along with that game. Don't worry. I did want to ask, you though, you, know, you mentioned the three things. I'm wondering what impact NIL and the transfer portal have on him. Over 2,000 players in the transfer portal this year. Oh, yeah. NIL confusion, whether you support it or oppose it, People can't seem to figure out the best way to use it yet, and mm. schools are trying. How much does that weigh into his decision about wanting to be in college versus the pros? I'd add it to the stew we're already talking about. It's certainly some potatoes in there because, of course, look, if those are the rules, those are the rules, and you've got to adapt. And, and Ward Manuel has been conspicuously, the athletic director, uh, slow-footed on this. He does not like the idea, and I can see why it might be distasteful in some ways to a guy who played in the late 80s, early 90s. Um, at Michigan, but it is the reality, and Jim wants more help. Juwan Howard, the basketball coach, also called out by Twitter, not quite by name, but that we're behind on NIL. So Michigan's behind on that, and that's incredibly stupid in this era, especially when Michigan alums are crazy and they have money. So not all of them, of course. <laughs> Don't ask me. I'm a writer. Uh, but uh, they can point the money cannon pretty quickly, and in the last two weeks they've raised $7 million, for example, uh, on this. Uh, so, Jim, that's been one more point of contention between Ward Manuel and Jim, I believe. So that's, that figures in. The transfer portal is actually what is saving Harbaugh's recruiting class right now. You point out correctly that basically you have two of these historically good seasons, 12 wins last year and 13 wins this year, only won two losses last year and one this year for Michigan. And, uh, and they've not really capitalized in recruiting because of, you know, Minnesota Vikings, this, whatever else. Um, so it's the transfer portal that they've been tapping that has basically saved their classes. So that's got to be a factor there as well. But they've been w- doing well with that, uh, but not so well with NIL. Yeah, but as a college, as somebody who's experienced both the pros and college, it's got I will say that it's got to be hard, and I have sympathy for college coaches at this point, to the extent you can have sympathy for college football coaches, <laughs> in, in, in that you really – if you don't play a player, I mean, look, we can all go back for Michigan to the days of, of Drew Henson and Tom Brady as to the difficulty back. Imagine what that would have been like today, where if you don't play a guy, he, Tom just, Brady wouldn't have he just leaves. And and we had Ward Manuel on the show at, at the very beginning of the transfer portal when that was first happening. And he mm-hmm. expressed a, a real concern about what that was going to turn into. And he was right that this is this is turned into a word we probably can't say on air. Like, if you're a college coach... Is the first word cluster? Yes. <laughs> so so what, it, what, what do you do if you're a college football coach and, and you, you have 100 players on your team 
and only a certain number can play, and everybody else doesn't even want to compete. They just say, if I can't play, I'm out of here. I can go to 50 other places. Well, and this is where, look, the more, and in Fourth and Long, which came out in 2013, it's called Fourth and Long, the fight for the soul of college football. Well, you know who won that soul. The money did. Um, of course, with all the realignments, the TV deals, and everything else. And my argument in that book now holds, and, I, and Ward is a very smart guy. He's a thoughtful guy. And unlike a lot of Michigan athletic directors, he's a professional athletic director. He's spent his whole career in athletic administration at Michigan, Buffalo, and UConn, and back. Uh, so he's you know, very well-versed in this stuff, in my opinion. Um, and look, it, it boils down to the more college football becomes like a mini-NFL, I think the more the appeal is going to go. Now, that hasn't fully happened yet, but uh, attendance is down almost everywhere. Ratings tend to be crawling downward. Uh, that's an issue as well. Um, and I think they missed their chance 10 years ago to split the two. Do what you've already done in uh, hockey and baseball, and that is have viable minor leagues. So if you don't want to be a college student and you want to get paid, go right ahead. And in hockey and baseball, you can do those things. That's why you don't have these problems in hockey and baseball in college. They're still popular sports, and not obviously as big as basketball or football. But if you'd done that in football and basketball, you would have separated the two. And why do we watch college football and why do we watch college basketball? It's not prowess. Uh, the world's worst NFL team, usually the Lions, let's be honest, um, <laughs> they, they will trounce Alabama every single year no matter what. You say, oh, Alabama's got, you know, 15, 20 draft picks. Well, all the guys in the Lions are draft picks. That's true of any, every NFL team. So that's not what we're watching. We're watching kind of identity, passion, and, and the players picking our school, hopefully, for the right reasons and so on, because they feel like they belong there. It's, it's identity. Uh, and we're losing all that now, I think. It's, uh, it's going and transferring is part of it. If you're coaching now, you can't coach the same. Can you yell at a player as a freshman and expect to keep him as a sophomore, even though it makes him better? I don't know if you can. You know, you talk about the money winning. We saw an exciting college football playoff semifinals. Jeff and I were talking about the blowout that was the finals. We're headed to college football playoff expansion where we're going to see games in home stadiums before we get to later games. What are your thoughts on what the college system has decided in terms of how they're going to expand the playoff system? They're going to point the, uh, the divining rod towards the money and go there. <laughs> that's my strong hunch. <laughs> that, that's why rivalry weekend now is the weekend after Thanksgiving, not the weekend beforehand. Weekend afterwards, the students are gone. It screws them out of the whole deal. Um, it, it diminishes the rivalries in many ways, but there's more money there. The national title game is won on a Monday night when we're all back at school and back at work. Uh, my kid can't watch it. He's seven. Um, oh, you're crazy. speaking my language. Well, that, that's your <laughs> fault. You should let him stay up. <laughs> I, I complain Look, all the time about star times for games. Unless Ohio State's in it, and then you should put him right to bed. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing to see here, kid. Move right. along. <laughs> what football? That's not football. Right. <laughs> Uh, so, I mean, whatever makes the most money is what they do. Increasingly, TV money, not attendance. Don Canham, the old athletic director, had a lot of smart things to say. One of them was, <laughs> oh, he said, uh, ABC's been on me for a night game here at Michigan Stadium for 10 years. So we compromised and didn't have one. That's, <laughs> that's <laughs> what Don Canham could do. And his theory was, look, if I pack the house every single Saturday, TV's going to show up. They have to show up. If something is that popular, they want to be a part of it. And now you turn on the bowl games, half the bowl games, they don't want to cover, you know, have the camera cover the punts because that's when you see there's nobody in these stands. It's a, it's a made-for-TV production. So the playoffs are going to be a made-for-TV production. 
Um, and look, far more than I think almost any other sports, rivalries matter so much in college football. And the beautiful part, even you know, Duke, UNC, and basketball can't equal, I'm sorry, Michigan, Ohio State in football, Alabama, Auburn, uh, Texas, Texas A&M, you know, all the greats, because you get one shot, that's all you get. But now with the playoffs and everything else, it'll be two shots, and who knows what's going to happen next. So playoffs are the biggest deal in the NFL, but they're not going to be, I don't think, if you lose the rivalries, you've lost something very important to college football. You know, when you talk about uh, pointing the dividing rod at, uh, at money, one of the other things that's happened over the last year and has kind of been evolving in this direction is the expansion of some of the conferences, in, in our case, the Big Ten Conference with UCLA and USC. Is it growing. the Big 35 now? Well, yeah. Not bigger. Yeah, and now the Big Ten commissioner has just left for the Bears. What do you see happening with at least with the Big Ten over the next few years? Do you see more expansion? Uh, they don't have to. It's a it, good question. I'm not certain, whereas – you know, before USC and UCLA, I knew they were going to go to 16. The only question was who and when. Uh, now the question is, I mean, Oregon and Washington are dying to go to the Big Ten right now. Um, and I think others would jump at the chance as well. Um, but the question now is how, okay, if you expand it, you better you know, be able to carry your weight in terms of your slice of the pie. So each time you add two more teams, you slice it up you know, two more ways. Uh, USC and UCLA clearly more than carry their weight. The deal right now is going to be more than $100 million per school. So that means, chew on this one for a second, uh, Northwestern football at you know, 1 and 11, they're going to make more money on football TV than Notre Dame. That wait, is, wait, wait, wait. Before you continue, across, across from me is a Rutgers graduate who's looking at all the money that's now going to go and, to Rutgers for their hard And work. I'm going to be honest with you. The program will still be in debt after they get <laughs> that $100 million. <laughs> it just, it's just a fact. They wanted to be in the Big Ten, but the cost of having a Big Ten program doesn't always equal the TV revenues. So they're going to get a ton more money. But the fact that Rutgers hasn't won has meant they haven't gotten what they could have out of that Big Ten partnership. That's probably true. And you got to pay Shiano or Japan. Uh, yeah, we you do. Know, a, a fancy new stadium and all that, so or redone and all that. So yeah, I mean, all that adds up. And and now the travel. Look, football team, it's nothing. You only have four or five away games anyway. You fly out on Friday. You fly back Saturday night. It's one night. Big deal. The women's cross country team is going to leave Rutgers and. And have to go to L.A. Uh, one week, of course, to play, you know, to compete against two teams there. Uh, Northwestern's going to have to go to Rutgers one weekend and then the next to USC, UCLA. That part of things no one gave much thought to. I'll say in Warren's defense, Kevin Warren, the now departed Big Ten commissioner, I mean, this is head versus heart. If, if, Mich- if the Big Ten does not take USC and UCLA, well, the SEC is going to. You know that. Right. Um, so in that sense, it might as well be the Big Ten if you're a Big Ten fan. Um, the flip side is the heart of it, man, until, I mean, you guys are out, out east, of course, until they scrambled everything about 10, 12 years ago, the geographical regions of the, of the nation were better defined, in my opinion, by conferences than anything else. If you said Midwestern, what the hell does that mean? Is that, you know, is that Missouri, Kansas, Michigan, Ohio? What is it? If I say Big Ten, it's Great Lakes. If I say Big Eight, it's the Plain States. If I say Southwestern Conference, back in those days, it's Texas. And it all kind of made sense. It's like all the kids in your cafeteria knew where to sit at which table. And it all kind of worked. Um, and now it's just completely scrambled. There's no real identity. Uh, so uh, what, what are you breaking up? It doesn't really matter too much anymore. So one more step towards the NFL. When you switch a team from the AFC to the NFC, who cares? 
when you switch a team from this division to that division, which happens all the time in the NFL, who cares? Uh, it's becoming that way in college football as well. Yeah, now I can't remember sometimes which teams are in which conference, and I pay attention to it. Jeff will tell you I watch way too much football on way TV. Way too much. <laughs> and I still can't get it right. You know, before we let you go, I, I got to ask you about another one of your books. Uh, Jeff got me into Ted Lasso, and I love the Mighty Ducks hey. growing up. Uh, my understanding from Dan Shaughnessy is that you've got a book, Let Them Lead, The Unexpected Lessons in Leadership from America's Worst hockey school, High School Hockey Team that's a cross between Ted Lasso meeting the Mighty Ducks. Tell us about that, and there's some news about what's going to happen to that, right? There is. So, yes, this is, uh, of all the crazy things I've talked about, almost all of them can be boiled down to get off my lawn. So oh, far. Jeff loves Wait, that. Wait, that's, that's, that's what <laughs> Jeff says that every time, like all show long normally. So you're right there. you got a partner. That's right. Uh, old man yells at cloud. I, I get that gif. It's a gif, gif, whatever. Oh, great. That's um, another one he's going to say. Yeah, I know, I know. This list, list is getting long. Thanks a lot, But Jeff. anyway... As long as I'm getting cranky, I might as well finish the job. But uh, So, yes, in 2000, uh, yours truly, the worst player in the history of my high school, which is Ann Arbor Huron High School, home of the River Rats. I'm not making that up. It is the only River Rats mascot, as you might imagine, in the entire country. Um, so, And when I say I'm the worst player in school history, it's not false modesty. I can prove this numerically. Uh, did, did, you I get a, did you get $10 million to leave? <laughs> <laughs> they, they didn't have to bother with that. Don't worry. <laughs> Uh, I still hold the record, not bragging, just saying, for the most games in a Huron uniform, 86. I dressed for all, every game for three straight years. Back then it was 10 through 12. With the fewest goals, zero. <laughs> and you, you can't break that record, guys. All the games, none of the goals, you cannot break it. Sorry. So, and by the way, I was a forward, which doesn't help. So, anyway. So, worst player in school history, the team I took over is my alma mater. In 2000, they were 0, 22, and 3. Of course, zero is where the wins go, people. So we ranked dead last in the nation on some website out of 1,256 teams. So worst player in the nation, worst player in the, in the school history, worst team in the nation. Yes, this is the marriage that we need. So I'm Ted Lasso. They're the Mighty Ducks. And, and it worked. We, in three years, we had turned it around. We were number four in the state and 53 in the country. We had passed 97% of the nation in three years. And they didn't cut one player from the 0, 22, and 3 team. They all stayed on the team. They all played. Uh, so how do you do that? And the answer is you let them lead. That's the title of the book. And Jim Bernstein, who wrote Mighty Ducks 3, is finishing now a screenplay on this. We haven't sold it yet. We haven't tried to sell it yet, but we're about to. So, um, so that's what's happening next, and you might see it on the silver screen uh, in the next couple of years. Who knows? We're looking forward to it, and we, we love the books that you've written, John, and, and we hope to keep having you back. Before I let you go, though, i got to ask, what do you see for Michigan next year? One, is Harbaugh going to be here, and, and how good is this offense going to be? And three, are they able to play in the playoffs because of their sanctions? Uh, They'll okay, be fine. thanks, pal. Sorry, that was Rutgers' look, bitterness. The Rutgers just guy that's right. knows that I have well, no wild, shot. Yeah, the, yeah, the Rutgers guy had that one, not the Michigan guy. Okay? Look, okay. all I can do is take pot shots. I've got nothing else going for me here, and I know that. Well, if you want to switch to the NFL or the NBA, you're going to have plenty to talk about versus Detroit teams. But anyway, um, but what? Uh, I'd say a few things. One, with President Ono getting involved, I do believe Jim is going to come back. Not guaranteed. Yogi Bear is right. It ain't over till it's over. So we'll see about that. But I bet that gets sealed up within the next seven days. So that's one thing. Two, the offense is going to be unbelievably good. J.J. McCarthy's coming back, of course, the quarterback this year, and he'll gain a lot of polish this year. The two best running backs in college football, I think the best pair last year, is going to be the best pair this year. And one of them might win the Heisman Trophy. Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards. Um, the defense, you're losing some guys, but you always lose some guys. Um, as far as sanctions go, 
Thank you, Rutgers. Uh, <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> worst case scenario, Jim will probably have two or three game suspension in the fall. Uh, and that's probably the worst, uh, worst case scenario. And those teams, I forget what they even are. It's like Hawaii and Bowling Green and somebody else. Look, I can coach those games, and they're going to win. Trust me. So uh, <laughs> maybe they, those are not. They can suspend them for the Rutgers game, and it'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. In all seriousness, first of all, Rutgers has beaten Michigan while in the Big Ten, as you know. Yes. Uh, second thing, Shano is a hell of a coach. Now, he's got an uphill battle there, obviously. It's not set up in some ways. But there's talent in New Jersey in the area. Uh, certainly other schools recruit it. If he can keep his own you know, Garden State talent going to Rutgers, I bet he'll be more competitive in two or three years and pretty quickly. He's in a brutal division, though. Jeez. Yeah, and I mean, look, the basketball team's actually playing rather well in the Big Ten. So, I mean, they've had success exactly in other sports. Right. They just haven't had it in, I mean, the soccer team's a well, baseball team. They just haven't had it in football, which is what everybody right. cares about. John Bacon, we always appreciate you giving us some time and some info, insight. We can't wait to see what happens with the previous books, what you come up with next. Thanks so much. You have a good one. Hey, thank you. Take care. All right, Jeff. So are you... Are you accepting of the fact that Jim Harbaugh will be back? Do you want me to just move on and talk about something else? I, I'm not. Look, I'm not. It, it, it's a real struggle for it because I know because he has brought the program back to prominence. I joke the about problem, it, but I know pro- it's hard for you. Yeah, but, but the yeah, because the problem is he's such a polarizing figure. Yeah, he's abrasive. He makes social commentary that really doesn't help the situation. He plays he, footsie with leaving regularly, he, and your fans he, that love he it does. And be there. And, and, well, it's not just leaving. It's how he does it. So last year it was he's going and he's 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 flirting with the Minnesota Vikings, who didn't make him an offer, and he did it on National Signing Day. That's what got you. It, it, it just you can't think of yourself like that. He could have done it on any other day. By the way, he could have been turned down for the job on any day of the week. He didn't need to do it on National Signing Day. And right now. Yeah, I guess it. I guess there always can be two sides to every story. But the owner of the Panthers, you don't see this very often. The owner of the Panthers came out and basically just threw him under the bus and said, "We we didn't come calling for him. He's the one who came calling for us." And if you look at the coaching carousel, the Texans have fired Lovey Smith. The Cardinals fired Cliff Kingsbury. Well, yeah, so the Lovey Smith thing is something we have to talk about for a second here. Did he ever? So, what was the expectation that he would win? Wait, wait! But the Texans have have locked up. Oh, I love that the he won nu- the, I, the number. They need a quarterback, right? Yes. And and they he screwed def- them. And they are locked up for the number one seed. And the last minute of the game, he decides that he's gonna he's gonna go for that win, not only by scoring the touchdown, go but two. going for two. I loved it. So the question is, <laughs> did did Lovey Smith know before that game? That he was being fired, and this was him giving the middle finger I think Lovey, to the Texans. I think Lovey because that's what I think. I think happened. Lovey Smith knew when he got the job that he was being set up to be fired. That seems to be what the Texans are doing. So, so do you think that this was this was just him being a competitor, or you think this was, you know, what? Both. It, yeah, I, I mean, I'm I'm I making I a gesture that I think you can't. that I think that Lovey Smith is the type of coach that always wants to win a game, mm-hmm. sort of like Dan Campbell approached the Green Bay game. Um, but I don't. He think wants that, to peep, bite people's. Kneecaps. I don't think that Lovey Smith shed a tear with the fact that um, he screwed the pooch for the Texans and the Bears ended up getting the number one pick. How, and, and by the way, if we're going to talk NFL, how badly did you did you root for the Lions to actually make the? Playoffs? Oh, I, well, doesn't surprise you. I watched the whole game. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the Lions had no chance once the game started. But before that, that day they started, played great. Is anybody? The Lions are just the most putrid <laughs> NFL franchise. Maybe ever. When was the last time they made the playoffs? They've certainly never made the Super Bowl. 
uh, in Stafford's time there, they had a number one quarterback and they couldn't do anything. They had Calvin Johnson. They never did anything. They had one of the greatest running backs of all time in Barry Sanders. They didn't do anything. It, it just never seems like the Lions can get over the hump. And this year, they had an incredible second half of the season, and it just would have been great to see them in the playoffs because the Seahawks aren't going to do it. The Lions anything. haven't reached the postseason since 2016. Yeah, and and when they went, it wasn't. It doesn't like. It's not like they go far. I mean, would, have they ever even made the NFC Championship? Game? No. And so I'm going to be able to sit back and relax this wild card weekend. Sorry, super. No, you wild won't. Card yeah, no, see, that's that's false. No, because I'll be worried because about you're going to be I'm worried about Jalen Hurts. You're going to be worried about Lane well, no, Johnson. They're not out there playing, so I can relax from that standpoint. They're not going to get injured this yeah, weekend. But, okay, so it, it's your level of relaxation. Yes. Not like if you're talking about a normal well, human being, you're not going to be relaxed. I don't relax to. Be begin with right. so like that's just the fact but so the eagles won the division got the bye week um four games this weekend uh saturday night niners seahawks in san francisco that one will be impacted by rain mm-hmm. in the forecast there i don't know if that's an equalizer for the seahawks at all i mean you, well to be fair the seahawks live in a city that it always rains that, so. it, that they're already always playing uh i don't see how the seahawks win this game I just don't. I know that everybody thinks that this is the, like the cool pick now is to pick the upset of the Seahawks over the 49ers. The 49ers defense is incredible. The Seahawks offense is not that good. 49ers I, offense Geno isn't Geno Smith that bad has had either. a good season, but it's still Geno Smith. Even with Brock Purdy, the San Francisco's offense. Well, you're, wait, you're bad. saying even with Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy's played really well. Well, I know, but he wasn't their first no, option. He's the he wasn't their second option. He was he was supposed to be the, the practice squad quarterback. Well, speaking of not having all your options, Tua will be out. Dolphin, right. The Dolphins will be starting their third-string quarterback in Miami. Mm-hmm. Talk about a coach that screwed yeah, up. Yeah, because Teddy team. Bridgewater is out, too. He is out, too. Lamar Jackson will be out for the Ravens and Bengals game. We'll is that definite? It is definite that okay, he's not so, playing. So do you think that Lamar Jackson's out because he couldn't play, or do you think Lamar Jackson's out because he's not getting paid no or i think he's actually he couldn't play I, I mean he put out a statement that his knee just isn't stable yet mm-hmm. and normally you don't see an athlete put out a statement like that i don't know that he would lie. well i think that that that's out there because people keep asking the question of course now. they're absolutely questioning his commitment you got mm-hmm. mike williams who will miss the game saturday night he never should have been in the football game last week for the chargers who had nothing to play wait for. so you're you're trying to suggest to me that brandon staley made a bad decision i know it's shocking to you but, you know what if you're a Chargers fan, you have got to root against the Chargers winning so that they fire that guy and bring in Sean Payton. Because you would think of all the jobs that are still available, if I'm Sean Payton, I have Justin Herbert as my quarterback for the next 10 to 15 years. You have a great defense there. You have Austin That's Eckler. what I would do. Uh, <laughs> I would totally fire him. The best thing that could happen to Chargers fans is that they lose on Saturday night to the Jaguars and By a, on, a yes, on a bad decision. On a bad on a typical Staley Staley gets decision. fired and Peyton ends up there and there you go Harbaugh now will go to the, one of the other positions cuz Peyton won't be available for it. He can go to Denver where they apparently like or it. Or Arizona. Much. We'll talk uh, Giants Vikings get your pick a little bit later. Um Bucks Cowboys Monday night in Tampa Bay. Cowboys are going to win. Uh, so if Tom Brady wins the game, it'll be his 36th playoff win. Uh, the Cowboys have 35 as a franchise. That's how many wins Tom Brady has in the playoffs. You think I should root for Tampa Bay to have them play the Eagles? I, yeah. The idea of playing Tom Brady still makes me nervous. But everything makes me nervous. I, 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 know, I know, Jeff. I know. But, I but this Tampa Bay team is not. This team has nothing. That yes, they have Tom Brady. They have not, for whatever reason, been able to put it together all season. If 
You uh, really think that that that's you would be more concerned with playing them than the Cowboys? No, I think I I think I'd probably want. It's not. By the way, it's not certain that you played them. You played the right. lowest but if, but remaining. If you, but if you had, but if you had your choice, I probably would want to play Tampa in terms of the weapons right. that they have and yeah. the injuries that they've had. The Cowboys still have weapons. If the Bills and the Chiefs make the championship game, it'll be played in Atlanta. Uh, I would have hoped for like an outside field neutral site. They're both out outdoor teams. Mm-hmm. Like why can't they play in weather? I don't understand it at all. And I have to close the loop. I followed all season. What? Thank you, New Orleans, for losing last week. Why? Because it gave the Eagles the tenth pick in the draft. Yeah, but if they, the Eagles were able to beat the Saints, the then they would before, have had a much higher pick. Exactly. But it could have been even lower if New Orleans would have won again. Of course it would. So I appreciate the Saints for making sure that that happened. What are for the me. Bears going to do? <laughs> the Bears have the number one pick. Do you entertain offers to trade Justin Fields? Well, I heard Mike Tenenbaum talk about Mike Tenenbaum's suggestion on ESPN was that was that they trade Fields, draft Bryce, Bryce Young, Young, who's smaller, and, and if they trade Fields, they're going to get at least one first round pick, but they'll get a bunch of people, and then you also start the clock over on the on, on the, the quarter rookie, rookie quarterback contract. contract. But Bryce Young is tiny. Yeah, that's I the mean, thing. If you watch any of those Alabama games, as talented as he is, there are times he cannot see over his offensive line, and he's going to get a. It's going to be a bigger offensive line, bigger NFL defensive lineman. He's not. He's going to have a hard time throwing over the middle of the field, no matter how good he is. And they're going to be one of team. They're going to be teams that want to get up for that pick. If you're not going to. Yeah, but they're going to get want to get up just as much for well, Bryce Young as they are going to be for keep, Justin Fields. If you're going to keep Justin Fields, do you trade back and get more picks? Or do you get Absolutely. yourself an offensive lineman? That you Why? Who, other, other than the quarterbacks, who is at the top of this draft that the Bears can't get if they move back five, six spots? Well, that's the thing. I mean, and I mean, the Bears are not keeping that pick. You're going to have There's teams no that need quarterbacks up there. You've got the Colts that don't have a quarterback. Right. Well, they you've, can bring in another 40-year-old quarterback. You've got the Texans who don't have a quarterback. You've got the Raiders who their quarterback's walking out the door. <laughs> he, put, he put out one of those goodbye messages. Yeah, he, he, he couldn't get out fast enough from that after they benched him. Well, but wait, him. they have Jared Stidham. I don't think that he's going to end up being the quarterback. But yeah, I mean, the Eagles end up with the 10th pick, so they can do something with that. I got no complaints. You want the Eagles to move up? Is that what you're saying? Look, I'm never surprised at what Howie does in the draft anymore. I, if he wanted to move up, he could package their two first-round picks and move up. If he wanted to move down, he could move down in the draft. I mean, what do the Eagles them. need? The, I mean, the, the main need they're probably going to have after the season is a running back. They'll need offensive line. They'll need some, They'll need offensive line they, depth. They'll probably need in the secondary because I don't know if they're going to be able to keep everybody, some linebackers. Mm-hmm. That's kind of going to be where they go. But look, I mean, a team that's in the playoffs with a bye, to be able to even think about that is definitely a luxury. Jeff, why don't we hit the break? When we come back, we'll get to our interview with James Patterson and Mike Lupica. Stick with us. Operating engineers are the men and women that move mountains. And the Engineers Labor Employer Cooperative, ELAG, puts them to work. They create opportunities for the men, women, and union signatory contractors of Local 825, repaving our roads, keeping our homes bright and warm, and even building our favorite team stadium. We understand infrastructure. That's why ELEC and Local 825 are ready to get to work. Jeff, who better to get for our Heart of Sports book club than two of the best award-winning journalists, writers uh, that there are out there? The book is out this week called The House of Wolves. James Patterson and Mike Lupica, thank you so much for the time today. Oh, great to be here. Go Eagles. 
Uh, you know, it's a fun time in Philadelphia. We get nervous when we win. Jeff will tell you that. So we're very uneasy by the fact that we're in the playoffs as the one seed, but we didn't play great coming down the stretch. So, yeah. And just so we're clear, one of us is a Giants fan. Jalen's back. That's right. Yeah, he's back. And look, he looked a lot better on on uh, sat on Sunday. So we'll see what comes out of that. But let's let's get to the book, because I mean, there are more twists and turns and rivalries than you can keep track of in this book. And you grabbed the reader at at chapter one. Talk to us about the development of this book and where the concept came from to start. You know, both of us are fascinated with these powerful, messed up, dysfunctional families like, uh, you know, we both love Yellowstone, that TV series and Succession. And going back a ways to Corleone's. And, you know, like right now, this week, the two big books are going to be uh, Harry's book, Prince Harry and House of Wolves. And, you know, Harry, the royal family, I mean, you know, so he gets slapped around by his brother a little bit. And he, he can't, have, can't talk to his dad. That's nothing compared to the Wolf family. <laughs> the Wolf family, they're tough. I mean, they're mean. They're really mean toward one another. So that, that really drew us into it. And then the sports side of it, because the Wolf family... They own the, the, the San Francisco football team. And, and that's where the Wolves come from. The, the, the team is called the, the name of the, the in the book. It's the Wolves. So if this is the if, the, if you, the two books are the ones that you said are going to be the most read this week, which family is more dysfunctional? The, oh, the, the, your family or, or the or the, fa- or the royal family? The Wolves. But the, the thing about the Wolves is they're not whiners. They're not whiners. No, they're definitely not in this book. And I mean, you you look at the main character. Let's talk about creating her, a strong woman who is both a high school football coach and reluctantly goes on to run the football team. She didn't want anything to do with it. How did you develop Jenny Wolf? Well, I'll tell you what. The, well, first of all, we write strong female characters. Our wives, this is their favorite book. Uh, they, they think it's our no, seriously. They they're tough. My wife's tough. Sue Patterson's tough. They think this is our best book, and it's cousin Jenny Wolf. Jenny Wolf is a great character who has no backup in her. I have a daughter who has three older brothers. <laughs> she thinks Jenny is modeled on her. Okay, and 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 she might be. She and she might be. But but we were. If the Royals went up against the Wolves, okay. If you were choosing up sides, the Wolves win. I mean, the the, the Royals. No, no all my brothers mean to me. Well, guess what? You know. Jenny slugs her brother too, and and that's just her way of saying good morning. And God knows they may have they may have killed her dad. Who knows? I mean, you know, you got to read the book. The, the wolves seem more surprised when they're nice to each other. By the way, in the book, <laughs> yes. yes, and and the Duttons, you know, uh, the football team in the newspaper in our book are like the ranch in Yellowstone. It, it really, it's that it's it's a family business. It's a dysfunctional family, and and a whole lot of stuff happens. And Jim's right. You're not sure, you know, the, the motto of the Wolf family is kill or be killed. Yeah. You know, and, it's you not- know, and the mob does, does play a part. And we did an interview and they asked us about the mob. And I said, are you talking about the NFL owners? <laughs> <laughs> well, well that, so that brings up another point, though, with regard to dysfunction. When you talk about dysfunction, the NFL owners yeah. seem to be more dysfunctional than most. When you look at this, what was the model for? Was it was it the NFL? Were were there other leagues that? What what, what was the model for all of the dysfunction in your book? NFL fit right in. NBA probably fits in too. <laughs> I wrote I wrote a nonfiction book. Oh, NCAA oh, fits. They fit in. I wrote a nonfiction book called Mad as Hell about sports fans. About I, I can't remember what it was. I, I can't remember anything. But um, I always said 
never make the assumption that the owner of the team knows more than somebody sitting at the top of the stadium. Do not make that assumption because you will be disappointed if you think they that some of these people actually know what they're doing. And these owners are the caretaker of a public trust. That sounds highfalutin, but it's true. And I think they lose sight of what. And then Jenny gets thrown into this. You know, the House of Wolves is the family. But another House of Wolves in our book are the other owners who want no part of Jenny Wolf having anything to do with this football team. And so she she's not only competing against her brothers, she's competing against all those other owners, the commissioner, and, and oh, by the way, there may be a couple of people bumped off in this book. We don't, we don't like to spoil anything, but one of Patterson's first rules of fiction is no one is safe. And I'm telling you, in this book, no one is safe. Well, the problem, the problem is, in reality, nobody is safe anymore. When you look at your book and the dysfunction among the owners in your league, how do you compare it to what's going on with the dysfunction of somebody like Dan Snyder? Well, they haven't bumped people off that we know about. Yes. 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 <laughs> if we were doing this book and we were putting it up on its legs, if I had gone to Jim and said, let's have this, and I described what Snyder's actually done in Washington, Jim would say, well, nobody's ever going to believe that. These people do believe, though. You know, it's like it's it's hard for fiction to keep up with uh, with real life. Years ago, a long time ago, Philip Roth, famous Philip Roth, he said, I'm, "I can't write fiction anymore because I can't keep up with reality." That was a long time ago. That was it was calm back then. Now it's nuts. Talk, and now it is hard to write fiction. Talk to him about the relation. It, it wasn't just all against her with the the other owners. She did have some advocates. Can you talk a little bit about sort of the dichotomy of the owners that, that you presented, which sort of mirrors the owners in the NFL from their age and their approach and their, their sort of view on things? Yeah, one of the L.A. owners is very much an advocate of, uh, uh, of Jenny's in this book. And no, she... Listen, she wouldn't have been able to hold, well, I mean, to even attempt to hold on to the team if she didn't have the ability to negotiate with these people. That's what I love about Jenny. What, the, one of the things we love about Jenny, and there's a lot of things we love about Jenny, is she kind of has more of her old man in her than she ever knew. When the, She's teaching high school and coaching high school football, and then she gets thrown into this kill-or-be-kill world. You know, and, and I, I, I've, I've collaborated with President Clinton and collaborated with Dolly Parton, whatever. And one of the things that they brought to the party was authenticity. So with with Clinton, it was you know about the presidency and how that stuff worked. And with Dolly, it was country music. And then with this, with Mike, it's the authenticity of the football stuff in here. It's very real. I mean, you watch you, you know, different plays and whatever. And it feels, I think, in my opinion, it really feels very authentic and real and whatever. And the stuff about the owners and whatever is kind of, you know, like you kind of nod. Guys, no, there's so much that happens. You can't even describe all the stuff that happens. It is, it's like a theme park, this book, okay? But what, what you find out about this young woman and this family is that that she, it's a skill set that she didn't know she had. And when you look at some of these other owners, we couldn't have made up a guy like Dolan in New York who has facial recognition now in case he doesn't like some fan no, who has cannot, been mean no, to him. Mike cannot get into Madison Square Garden. No, I could not. Well, <laughs> well, that was you, you, Mike. You said a fan, but I, I would think that your facial recognition has a big X on it, too. There. <laughs> no, he can get in. 
in. He can't eat. What did you say? You can't. He couldn't even get in the walkway. No, I would walk under. <laughs> they'd be on me from the time I was wa- walking past the marquee out on on Seventh Avenue. And and w- when I look at, I really, you know how you have all these naming rights now. You know, Lincoln Financial, all that stuff. Okay. I now call it in my column the facial recognition Madison Square Garden because <laughs> that's how people think of it now. And and they Spike Lee is the biggest Knicks fan of all time. He's on Dolan's list. You again, that was the fun of writing these owners and trying to keep up with the reality of what sports owners are really like in this day and age. I can't you, get into Madison Square Garden just because I know more. <laughs> <laughs> so so we've had Charles Oakley on this show. So who gets in first, Mike? You or Charles? Oh, Charles, oh Charles. no. Oh, yeah, Charles probably. They, 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 <laughs> listen, I, I had my my dust ups with Dolan. Okay. They never carried me out like they did. <laughs> You know, the, the vindictiveness of the owners does come through in this book. There, There is something else that, that I found that was interesting, and I don't know if you could have predicted this. At the start of the book, you had a game canceled due to a player collapsing on the field with the ambulance coming on. And I'm wondering what you thought when you saw that play out in real life just weeks ago. It blew our minds. And, and fortunately, you know, this kid turned out and, and he's okay. And our book, it's a drug overdose, but a player dies uh, on the field and the ambulances. And, and when it happened, you know, Mike, we were both watching the, 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 the game and, and Mike called up and he said, do you see this? I mean, it was, you know, yes, we did. That scene, it, it's, I think it's the start of chapter five. I could be wrong on the number of the chapter. I, I, I went right back there. And, and it's, it's even more weird than that. The player who dies in our book is named Harmon. And, the, and this kid from the Bills is named Hamlin. And, and. The ambulance on the field, the game being discontinued at this point, it was it was a very weird. I mean, it, in so many ways, but just because of that scene in our book is a very weird moment for us. And we've we've done some you know negative stuff at the NFL. And we're not really that negative on the NFL, but the net NFL in real life, it was amazing. They if that kid had fallen off, fallen over in the street, or fallen over in a hospital, I don't think he'd be alive. But that's how good they were that night. Uh, 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 in terms of getting to him immediately. You know, one of the things that comes across, even just from this interview, is how well the two of you seem to get along. Well, you're pretty well, don't you? <laughs> you are very well. Award you're, winners. You're both, you're both very accomplished, strong men. Is it hard to write a book together? And what is the biggest challenge of doing that? I, I don't think there's ever been a challenge. I, we do get along great. We, uh, I mean, I think the only challenge is he'll call seven or eight times a day. <laughs> well, I, and yesterday, this is a true story. We were we were riding along, and I did call my agent. And I said, "Get rid of him, please. I can't take it anymore." He tried <laughs> but to get out a, of a moving car yesterday to get away from that. Uh, well, you the know, only I, thing with the car is they know we're like ten years old, so they put the child lock. Whatever. You know, out of context, that "get rid of him" could have been a line from the Wolves family, right? There, you guys may be adopting some of your characters there. You know, last the last book you had come out together was sort of towards the end of the COVID lockdowns, and I saw you say you didn't really get to do a book tour like you're doing now. What does it mean to get yeah. you to, to get to interact with the fans that will be out there that will get to see and talk to? God, you know, we did Kingston, New York, at seven this morning. It was great. <laughs> Jim's always looking to meet new people. I, I mean, he just... He, oh, you guys are good, actually. Some of it, it's been a little hairy. There were a couple of them. You go like, well, we, we, we couldn't... We did one event for the Horsewoman, and it was a huge event at... at, at no, we did two. One was we, a horror show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what was it in a... Why? Well, I was in an assistant. <laughs> it was, but, um, they were falling asleep. Yeah. It was weird. 
Jeff Jeff going, hey, hey, you in the front row. Um, but, but we have had, we're, we're, we're appearing in front of three and 400 people a night and it's a blast. And we take questions and, and we do, we have an, it's, it's it, live audiences. Uh, if yeah, you fun. do what we do, it's a lot of fun. And you can make stuff up. Just like the, the guy, the, the congressman in New York. We just literally make stuff up. Doesn't matter. Like well, so, he's making up that he doesn't like me. He actually loves being with me. Yeah, I mean, I, I love yeah, yeah. You know, speaking of making making things up, my, Mike, you you do you live in two worlds. You you live in a world where you're a sports columnist and deal with fact, and then you live live in this world where you get to to make up a separate reality. Is it hard going back and forth between the fact and the fiction? No, I'll tell you why. And I have always said this: writing a newspaper column is perfect training for being a storyteller. You you have to have a good beginning, a middle, and end. You got to use dialogue. No, that those little thousand word bursts of storytelling were perfect preparation because Jim always Jim said this earlier today. Uh, yeah, you can write a big, good beginning and you can write a good ending, but if you're good at middles, then then, then you got something. So you win the Pulitzer Prize if you're right middle. You know, you talk about the storytelling. His background as a newspaper guy. I mean, we both were prolific, to put it mildly, and uh, we both we chop wood. I mean, we get up in the morning, we chop wood, and we love to do it. That's that's the beauty of it. Jim, you were an advertising man first. I, I saw well, you. I've been for over 25 <laughs> years. <laughs> your, your grandmother said, hungry dogs run faster. I've always been a hungry dog. Talk about your passion for storytelling and how you learned to be such a po- prolific writer. Uh, I think, you know, reading and writing, whatever sort of got me through my ute. And then I worked in a mental hospital, worked my way through college, and uh, I started, I, I worked a lot of night shifts. And mostly it was quiet. And I started reading like a mad person and then I started scribbling and I loved it. I just loved I loved telling stories and writing stories. And my and, and Mike and I have talked about this. My thing when I'm writing is I pretend there's somebody sitting across from me and uh, 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 I don't want them to get up till I finish the story. And that's right. the way that's both my strength and my weakness. The fact that don't put the book down. And the weakness is sometimes I don't go as deep with Mike. It's helpful because we go deeper because he has all the all the sports information and the authenticity and all that stuff. So that, that helps. That's one of the reasons I think that the, the collaboration with Mike is so good. You know, Mike, I, I've, I've wanted to ask you this question for a while now. Can you bring back the sports reporters and, and you can bring him along with it? <laughs> Patterson want to fit right in with our group. Okay? Perfectly. Okay. Yes. We were on for 28 years, and we I had an awful lot of fun. I was telling Jim yesterday, um, I did more of them than anybody on the planet. I got to sit next to Dick Schaap, and then I got to sit next to my friend John Saunders and Mitch and Bob and Roden and all those guys. It, it's, it's still – sometimes people come up and they say, I love your show. And I say, well, you know, we've been off the air for like four years now. <laughs> uh, I, spoiler alert, we're gone. Um, but uh, thank you. No, it was uh, – we held down a prime piece of real estate on Sunday mornings on ESPN. And we're, we're still kind of trying to figure out why they banged us because we hadn't lost a single rating point or sponsor when they canceled us. <laughs> well, you hadn't, you hadn't lost these viewers, that's for sure. <laughs> the Thank same you. thing is kind of weird. I was in an Italian restaurant last week and uh, they took my wife and I down the aisle and this lady pops up and she says, I know you, I know you, you sold us our life insurance. <laughs> Well, we'll work on getting you. Wait, you were in advertising, did you? Uh, uh, might have. Oh, I know. I, I would never be in the life insurance business in South Florida. You, you've that's done okay for yourself, James. That's, even, a, even, that's, even, a, that's a big 
they don't share people and stuff. He has done all right. But, you know, when we got together, I said, you know, here's a guy that needs a boost. Yeah, you know, he needed he, help. That's Mike, definitely right. It's time for you to give back, Mike. And, you know, so that's what happened. Well, look, uh, the book is The House of Wolves. You will not regret going to get it. It is a fascinating read that goes fast. Uh, James Patterson, Mike Lupica, thank you so much for the time. Best of luck with this latest book. Great. Thank you. It's really fun. Really fun. Thank you. Jeff, you're the best booker I know. You get guests like that for the show and, and we get quality interviews. That book is primed to be a movie. We, we now had a book club all in one show. Yes. We had John Bacon. We had Mike Lupica. We had James Patterson. Not bad. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. That's, and, a, that's a lot of reading for us, though. <laughs> look, I read more now <laughs> that I have a radio show than I've ever read in my life. Frankly, my parents probably would have preferred I read a little bit of this while I was actually in school when they're paying for it. See, that, <laughs> was, that, that was my whole my, my whole goal when I did this was the whole... To remember, expand my horizons. Remember when we were a kid? <laughs> well, when I was a kid, it, they had a riff. It was reading, different reading, times. But you remember they had reading is fundamental? Yeah. And, and you, got little, you could get little gold stars if you read a certain number of books during the summer when you went to school are you giving me gold this, stars this is what i'm doing for you is i'm starting like a little reading thing for you but it's not just that you're helping me to read you're helping me read quality books i mean you get us good guess and look this book i mean it was it was really good and i mean it's fun you know patterson comes on they're joking about the eagles the two of them together are a blast yeah, what was the Eagles talk for? I don't know. I don't get that at all. He's not from this area, is he? He wanted us and to Luke feel good about from ourselves. New York. So yeah, like, you just didn't like it because you're a Giants fan, okay? Yeah, it, was, it was just a weird thing. I think he was just trying to bond with us, but... Do you have any... I'll, I'll leave the, the book there before we sign off. Do you have any hope this weekend as your Giants... Uh, Against the Vikings? Sure. Are, are healthy? Just just so we're clear, the Giants-Vikings the Giants Vikings game is at 4.05. Yes. The sun is setting. So the, Kirk Cousins the, the will Kirk, have problems. So, so, solar Cousins, <laughs> is, the battery is going to go off by the second half, and boom, the Giants will just be there. Okay, what type of Jeff will I get? Like, I got hibernation what, Jeff during the what, Michigan game. What does and that mean? What I did kind not of Jeff hear. I did, so sometimes during a game, you'll text me about what's going on. Other times, you'll like hide away. So mm -hmm. Michigan, the Michigan game on New Year's, I oh, didn't I, hear from I, I you hibernate. until way after yeah. New Year's. Mm -mm. And will I be hearing from you during the game as it goes on, or are you just going to kind of watch on your own and expect a loss and then hope for a win type thing? I know a really cool Giants fan. I'll probably be watching with them, and it's just uh, it's not who you think it is. So it, no, that'll be fun for you then. It, it will not. It will not be any of our reporter friends. So. Well, I'm but, sure. I'm sure you'll have a good time watching. So, I will enjoy a week uh, off from having to worry about I, the I, result I, of a game. <laughs> I, I will tell you that I received an email. This is how we'll end the show. Is I received an email from from a certain university telling me to snap up to get early access and snap up my season tickets should i do it get on it now do you know what team i'm talking about pittsburgh no who rutgers oh get on it so so football or basketball i i, I have to tell you i had not laughed that hard in so long how did you the, get on a rutgers well, list? Be, well because we bought tickets for the rutgers michigan game this year oh. at, at rutgers somehow i'm on the list and i'm sitting there going oh yeah i'm really scared that they might sell out you know if you trash come the football on. team on the radio they might not want to come on as a guest so we should be so <laughs> look <laughs> i mean it's bad. Uh, you 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 really want to go there do you no i don't want to end the show yeah, that way. Uh, you really want to go there no i don't want to end the show that way okay because uh, Greg Schiano is more than welcome to come on this show. I would love to have Coach Schiano or Co Coach Peichel come on and talk about the basketball team that's playing well. 
Um, I will also let them know that their targeting is wrong if they're soliciting you to, <laughs> to come to their shows. Any final sh- uh, thoughts? You, you mean to buy season tickets? To buy, to buy season Especially tickets. since Michigan does not play at Rutgers <laughs> this year. So, so are they no selling shot. you tickets for you to travel to Michigan? No. Or they just want you to no, go they, see other opponents? They want me Rutgers? to scoop up season tickets at, to Rutgers. Yeah, I would think that's not going to happen. Considering you can't even park there, I'm not. I'm not exactly running to a game. On the bright side for the stats, you opened the email. (laughs) I needed a good laugh. You know, it was a long day. You know, what what the heck? (laughs) We'll leave it there. Thanks so much for joining us this week. Make sure to join us next Friday night to help you start your weekend in style. Have a great one. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.